Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, where your host, Andy Jacob, interviews leading entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs about their incredible companies and discusses their unique entrepreneurial journeys. If you're the CEO or founder of an exciting and exceptional company, the editorial team of Dotcom Magazine welcomes you to pitch your business story to appear on this exciting interview series by reaching out to Mr. Jacob at Dotcom Magazine at dotcommagazine.com. And without further ado, here is another amazing entrepreneurial story on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Good afternoon, everyone. Andy Jacob here with the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. We have a very interesting show today. I'm so delighted that I've been able to get on the show, Miss Shannon Wilkerson. And Shannon is a wonderful technologist. She is a, a leader in the technology advocacy space for women. She's a keynote speaker. She's an active board member and advisor. She is the co-founder and CEO of Tago Cybersecurity. It's an incredible cybersecurity uh, firm that she's put together. She co-founded it with her husband, which is absolutely amazing. And they really are specialists at reducing risk uh, preventing cybersecurity uh, attacks, of course, and, and, and equally as important, protecting intellectual property and data. I am so excited to have Shannon on the show today. Shannon, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andy. Pleasure to be here. It's a super honor to have you on the show. You do so many great things. You've, you've, you've been a keynote speaker People really look to you for your expertise in so many different things, but I want to focus on the company to begin with. Let's pull the lens back to 30,000 feet and tell us all about your cybersecurity firm. Sure. So Tago Cyber, we're a cyber threat intelligence company. What that means is that we have developed a platform that helps enterprises detect and respond to attacks that may have um, entered their environment. There, there is a difference, and a lot of people get confused between threat data and threat intelligence. And the difference is, is threat data gives you a tiny little piece of information that says, this IP address is bad. What threat intelligence is, it's a, all the data that you need to make an informed decision and respond. And that's what Tago Cyber specializes in. So we take the, this IP address is bad, and add additional context to help security operations teams respond to incidents in a fast and effective manner. So we'll tell them this IP address is bad, but this is also a known command and control server for a threat actor group in such and such country. Um, they've been active for the past three months. They have attacked an enterprise in as little as 20 minutes ago that we have information on. And here are some of the things that you should look for within your environment. Here perhaps are the computers that are in your enterprise that are communicating with this uh, command and control server. You should go take a look. And that's what we're specializing in. Um, we've built the platform to integrate 
into existing cybersecurity tools. Our first integration is with the well-known SIM platform called Splunk. Um, and we're basically trying to help enterprises look at everything through their existing cybersecurity tools. The idea of the single pane of glass, but we're not forcing companies to use our glass. We're allowing them to use what they've already uh, um, invested in. That's super smart, Shannon. Obviously, Tego is, is doing a wonderful job uh, allowing companies to use their existing platform, but plug your platform in for additional security. When we talk about the types of uh, companies or the type of clients that, that Tego attracts, could you sort of give us a little bit of color about sort of the types of companies that you best are suited for with your platform? Right. So we are industry agnostic. We don't specialize in any specific industry. It's really for our first integration. It is any enterprise that uses Splunk, the Splunk platform that needs threat intelligence plugged into their Splunk platform. I love it, Shannon. So let's talk about it a little bit because cybersecurity is on the tip of everybody's tongues. Everybody's talking about it. It's, it's, it's on every single media channel. It's all over the internet. It's, it's everywhere people are talking about cybersecurity. How did, you, how did you get started in this? How did you and your husband co-found Tago? How did it all start? Because I'm sure it's just a fascinating story and a wonderful opportunity to work with your husband in this business. It is. So my background is actually in software development and platform development. Um, I, after graduating from university with a degree in information systems management, um, was fortunate and had the opportunity to go work for the United Nations peacekeeping operations. Um, so I spent 12 years overseas in the Kosovo peacekeeping mission. That's actually where I met my husband. He's from Florida. I'm from Las Vegas. Um, but he was seconded through the U.S. State Department to the United Nations um, as an IT forensic specialist. So meaning he was doing um, computer investigations into organized crime, terrorism, money laundering, um, previously as a law enforcement officer, child pornography, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we met, got married, started our family while we were in peacekeeping missions. And then when I was pregnant with our second daughter, we kind of decided raising a family in peacekeeping missions, not the best place to bring up our family. So we decided to come home to the US, um, settled in Las Vegas where I graduated university from. Um, I have family here as well. Uh, so we do live in Las Vegas where we're headquartered. Um, and we worked for various technology companies for a couple of years. But we realized at that time, there was really a gap in the market for trusted cybersecurity companies that focused on small to medium businesses. So in 2015, we actually founded a company called Axiom Cyber Solutions that focused on small to medium businesses with a firewall replacement product that had a bit of a threat intelligence back, back end to it. We exited that company to private equity in mid-2019 um, I decided that I wanted to continue the entrepreneurial journey. Troy actually got a fantastic job as the global head of cybersecurity operations for a Fortune 300. So he, he went back into the regular marketplace, I guess, and, but helped me co-found uh, Tago in September of 2019. And we decided to take our skills and some of the knowledge that we gained in the threat intelligence um, space with our, our previous company and really turn that into an enterprise grade solution for companies that use those SIM platforms that need threat intelligence. So we, when we founded Tego, we went back into research and development with our threat intelligence platform 
um, and basically built uh, Tego to focus on the enterprises and create this threat intelligence platform that serves our needs. That's amazing. We're going to talk about your entrepreneurial journey in, in a little bit, but I wanted to focus on cybersecurity. So from your perspective, you know, people hear all the stories about countries attacking countries and countries attacking private firms and private firms in certain countries attacking other private firms. It just goes on and on. But from your particular viewpoint at, at Tago, Tago Security, what area is sort of the thing that enterprises really have the biggest problem with right now with regard to cybersecurity? Well, I think that's a difficult question because there's so many different attack vectors and so many reasons why companies are attacked. I think for many enterprises, one of the things that they need to worry about is protecting their intellectual property, um, just because either um, you know foreign governments want to steal intellectual property to advance their technology, or competing companies want to steal technology to have a competitive advantage. And also intellectual property disappears with um, departing employees or disgruntled employees that will you know, look to give wherever they're going a competitive advantage. So intellectual property protection, I think, is a big area of concern for enterprises today, as well as I'm sure pretty much everybody's heard of all the ransomware attacks that are going on. And ransomware started from just holding companies hostage by encrypting their computers and bringing down computer systems now for the past two years to also not only encrypt uh, computer systems and bring operations to a halt, but now there's also a data breach component to it where you know, hospitals and healthcare organizations are losing patient records, um, organizations are losing that intellectual property. Um, just last week, we heard about one of the third party vendors for Apple um, lost manufacturing schematics um, of all the new Apple products that are coming out in a ransomware attack on a third party. So I guess I'll add a third point to there. Third party risk within cybersecurity is also becoming a major concern because we are so interconnected and we rely on vendors to provide services to us. When one of those vendors has an attack, that can also affect our enterprise and lead to a data breach of our information. So Shannon, this seems like, especially the ransomware attacks have become much more intricate uh, than they have been prior and, and much more prevalent. So when you think about it, is, are the ransomware attacks happening from governments or are they happening from individuals or companies or all three? How does it all work you know, from a, from a high level? Right. I think it's coming from really two sources. It's coming from the government state-sponsored attack vector, but more, I think it's almost like ransomware groups are now a criminal enterprise, kind of like the mafia of the old days where they've created these groups of affiliates who basically they'll say, I'll sell you this ransomware package. You go attack a whole bunch of companies. And if you're successful, you give me a small percentage of your profits. So there's these affiliate groups now with ransomware. And as one group retires and moves on to, you know, whatever's next, um, the ransomware operators are moving from group to group as affiliates to the different ransomware um, variants that are out there. So there's really, you know, different groups acting that enterprises need to worry about the state sponsored hacks where you hear about the things like solar winds and 
um, versus, you know, just ransomware attacks like what happened with Apple. That is unbelievable. So, so from a layman's standpoint, it sounds like there's a group that has some ransomware. They sort of have an affiliate business where they offer that ransomware to a group of people and say, hey, you go use this ransomware. You do what you can with it and it should work and we're building it to work. And when whatever you're able to get in ransom, we want a cut of that action. And then once they've sort of finished the ransomware, the ransomware producers move on and they produce another ransomware. They go back to the same affiliates and say, hey, do it again. And this is what's happening in the ransomware space. Is that what I'm hearing here? Exactly. Yes. So there'll, there'll be announcements where such and such ransom group is going to retire. But then a couple months later, a new ransomware variant pops up and it's really the same guys behind the previous one, but they've just moved on to um, a new, better version of ransomware because they are. Um, they're investing their ill-gained um, profits into the, their ransomware business. It's like, like I said, it's a criminal enterprise and they run it like a corporation. They're paying their programmers very well and they're reinvesting some of their profits into making their their software, which is terrible, better and more effective. And like I said, they're making improvements where before it was just all about encrypting computers, but now it's encrypting and stealing data. Wow. So this is just a, a perfect example why so many enterprises need cybersecurity. They need to reach out to Tago. Tago is an important component to help these enterprises uh, battle this cyber challenge that's going on. Very, very interesting, Shannon. I had never heard that. And I'm sure many of our viewers have never heard that story either. From what countries are these are these bad actors mostly coming from? Is it from one country or another, or is it a multitude of countries right now? It's a multitude of countries. Um, there is quite a bit of activity in Eastern Europe, um, as well as North Korea has a very large state-sponsored hacking uh, regime, China, Iran. Um, so for state-sponsored hacks, you know, and attacks, those, those are the main, as, as well as Russia, of course, are, are the main state-sponsored actors, but, you know. That's incredible, Shannon. Let's talk about your onboarding process at Tago. So an enterprise company calls you, they say Shannon, or they say to one of your team, you know, we, we need some help. We want some additional bolstering of our technology. We need to strengthen our security. Uh, what's the process look like? What's the onboarding process look like uh, with regard to using Tago's uh, platform with regard to helping these companies fight off the cyber threats? Right. So one of the nice things about Splunk, not just that it's the market leader in SIM platforms, but much like you have the iTunes store for your iPhone or the Google Play store for your Android, Splunk has something called Splunk Base, which is basically an app marketplace for applications developed for their platform. So if somebody's using Splunk and they're interested in using Tego's threat intelligence, they can search for Tego or search for threat intelligence within Splunk Base, find our app, install it very easily through Splunk, and then they can come to Tego to purchase their license key, and then they just plug it in, and that's it. 
plug and play. We tried to make it as simple as possible. That's amazing. And it's just incredible that, that it can happen in such a seamless way with the development of your team and what they've been able to do on your platform. It's really incredible using Splunk and being part of, part of their, their, their app store, if you will, for the layman watching the, the show. When we think about um, being a co-founder and a CEO of, of a cybersecurity firm, what, what's your why? Why do you get up in the morning, Shannon? You know, do you get up thinking about all the threats that are happening? Do you, do you feel really, really sort of sad that there's good people that have such important intelligence that's being stolen? What's your why? Why do you get up and why do you lead Tago in the way that you do? Right. So I definitely have developed an incredible passion for cybersecurity. I, I do get sad, and I also have to say I get annoyed with the news about all the attacks that are going on, particularly on local governments as well as school districts. Um, it really was a bit eye-opening um, to our family when about two years ago there was a ransomware attack and subsequent data breach of a medical provider, and we received a data breach notification for our seven-year-old daughter. So that was a bit eye-opening of, and one of the reasons why I get up in the morning and do what I do is, you know, not only to protect our data and protect the, the data of enterprises, but to protect the information of basically every citizen that is out there that wants to keep their information private. You know, there, there's this idea that we should have privacy and that our data should be protected. And um, through, we're hoping that through our threat intelligence platform, enterprises will be able to take a stand against cyber criminals and be able to detect and stop them before damage is truly done. That makes all the sense in the world, Shannon. You know, uh, you go to work at Tago and you have a personal experience that that someone, uh, your, your child was part of a data breach through a medical record, record breach, which is just unbelievable. And it really is quite a world out here that you're involved with, with regard to cybersecurity, because it seems like the bad guys keep finding new ways to, to breach. And, and then it's up to the good guys with the white hats, if you will, uh, to, to figure out how to stop the, the breach. So is it sort of a cat and mouse game? Is that what's going on out there in the cybersecurity world? Very much so. I think, you know, just as the cyber criminals are continuing to reinvest and making their tools better, you know, cybersecurity companies like Tago, we need to keep with the development, keep on the current trends um, and try to find ways, new ways to defend organizations because the old ways of just putting a firewall at the perimeter, you know, just doesn't work anymore today. There, there's no silver bullet for cybersecurity. It's really a layered approach of many different tools working together to truly give enterprises the protection that they need. I love it, Shannon. And I know that you're a, an advocate, a technology advocate for women. Women in technology advocate is what we call it. And it's so exciting when we, when we speak to you know, co-founders and founders and CEOs on the dot-com magazine, uh, Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, women are, are just being so impactful in so many ways and so many industries, and, and they're being impactful in the cybersecurity industry. So please tell us why that's become a passion of yours and how that all fits into the overall story of Shannon Wilkerson. Sure. So 
as I, I guess would say was growing up, I was one of the few, if only women in a lot of my technology and engineering classes. And it never really occurred to me much until I was, I started being asked, you know, Hey, can you speak about being a woman in a male dominated industry? And I went, okay, yeah, I am one of the few women. Um, I have to say personally, I haven't experienced much discrimination and harassment. I think just because I've worked with a lot of fantastic people that those kind of things never cross their mind. I've experienced, you know, the offhand comment here and there about, you know, go get some coffee or something like that. But um, I think part of the eye-opening experience was talking with other women in the industry, learning some of the stories about discrimination and harassment that have happened to them, and then taking a look at, you know, what we do as a society that may get girls to think less about um, STEM careers and education, because we see a significant drop-off starting in about middle school of girls switching away from technology and mathematics and engineering subjects to go into more of the liberal arts and other things. Um, not because girls and women are any, um, have any differences in like grades or abilities, but just that we kind of push them from a society as a young age to look at different things. Uh, I wrote a book during the pandemic called Ripping Off the Hoodie, encouraging that next generation of STEM girls that takes a look at all the things where, you know, from a young age, we tell girls, you know, go play with Barbies. And then we tell boys, you know, hey, go be Indiana Jones, go be this adventure, be a NASA astronaut. And, you know, girls, you go wear, you know, the pink fluffy unicorn t-shirts and, you know, talk about social media and taking selfies and, and boys, again, you know, we gear towards science and technology. Um, and then also being the mother of three young girls who are very into technology, who love video games, um, finding that, like, I can't buy video game gear for my girls unless I go to the boys section of clothing. So, you know, we as a society are still, you know, trying to say, you know, boys do this, girls do this. And then when we get into the, the workforce, we find that that's having a large impact. And then, of course, the discrimination and harassment that some women do face are pushing them away, as well as this idea, um, uh, this, I guess, fallacy that, you know, you have to pick, like women need to pick between having a career and having a family where, you know, we never ask male engineers, you know, oh, how do you do it? How are you a father and an engineer? But for some reason, you know, women have this either or situation that they're faced with when they want a career. Shannon, that's fascinating. And thank you for bringing that up. I know that you're a, a leading advocate and, and anybody that listens to you just totally has an aha moment. They totally get it. And it makes all the sense in the world. And thank you for being a leading advocate in that particular area. You know, Shannon, when I was doing my research on you, something came across my desk and I saw that you were the founder or are the founder of the Healthcare Heroes Foundation. And that looked super cool. It looked like, you know, you're right in the middle of it besides being the co-founder and CEO of Tago and raising your three daughters and being an advocate for uh, women in technology and doing keynote speaking and being an active board member and advisor you actually had time to sort of set up a foundation. So maybe tell us about that a little bit. Sure. That's also something. And that was really my husband, Troy's idea that he, he got on the computer one night and said, I'm working on something. I'll tell you about it in a little bit. 
Um, and then he, he told me about this idea that he had about establishing the Healthcare Heroes Foundation during the pandemic. Um, my husband, Troy, has two sisters who are ER nurses and were basically on the front lines of the pandemic. Um, and just, you know, them telling us their experiences of either being separated from their family or worried about infecting their family if they came, came home to them after work and everything. And so uh, we decided to start the foundation with the idea that we would honor healthcare heroes, um, especially Las Vegas was also greatly impacted by the pandemic and the fact that we shut down all the casinos and the hospitality here were closed. So we thought the foundation would be a good way to not only honor all those people that were working on the front lines, our healthcare heroes, but also find a way to give back to our community in Las Vegas by sponsoring some of these healthcare heroes as things are getting back to normal to come to Las Vegas for a vacation. Shannon, that's unbelievable. You and Troy are inspirational, that's for sure. Prior to the start of the show today, I asked you about the lapel pin that you were wearing. There's a very interesting story about that as well. So maybe you could touch on that. Uh, before we ask you a couple more questions about entrepreneurship, and uh, and this has just been a fascinating interview. So let's talk about the lapel pin because that got my attention as well. Sure, Andy. So the lapel pin is something called the Patriot Circle, which is a private-public partnership between the FBI and private industries. And there's a group of us uh, that belong to an uh, organization called InfoGuard. And the Patriot Circle is, is just a level of membership with InfoGuard. Um, Troy's actually a local bo uh, board member of our local Southern Nevada um, InfoGuard chapter. I am an active member as well. And we just find that uh, collaboration with other people within technology and cybersecurity is you know, something that we need to do, we need to get out there, we need to talk to each other, because really, we're, we're facing the same threat. So we should share the information on what we're seeing. And that allows us to have better protections. That's great, Shannon. Congratulations on that. And congratulations uh, to Troy as well. You know, I've wanted to ask this question. Uh, I knew that I was having one of the leading cybersecurity experts on. So when we think about cybersecurity, besides enterprise, you know, an average person, lay person out here in the community, we always hear these, these stories about the grid and, you know, what's going to happen? Are these cyber terrorists going to attack the grid and what's going to happen? And is it going to be, you know, pandemonium and, you know, is it going to be, uh, uh, you know, the zombies get released and that type of thing? So, so how, how, how secure is that portion of our world that is so important to make life sustainable? Maybe you could just touch on that a little bit. Yeah, sure. So security of the electrical grid and our um, critical infrastructure in the US is definitely a concern. I know President Biden, I believe, has just issued some orders and um, created some committees to take a look at it to make sure that we are prepared in case there are attacks. Well, and okay, so during the Super Bowl, I know that there was the attack on the water treatment facility in Florida where an attacker was actually able to get into the water treatment facility in Florida near where the Super Bowl was being held and adjust some of the chemical levels. And had it not been for an employee at that water treatment facility, seeing the mouse moving around on the computer, there may have been an incident where inappropriate chemical levels were released out into the public drinking supply. 
Um, so, you know, there is definitely the chance of a large impact to critical infrastructure if we don't take cybersecurity seriously. There have been real world incidents outside the United States. I believe it was in Ukraine where for about two Christmases, um, attackers took down the power grid and took the electricity offline for a couple of days um, because they were able to get into the, the power grid there. So um, there's definitely real world consequences for not properly securing our critical infrastructure. And I'm glad to see that this administration is taking that seriously and, and really taking some steps, not only to secure uh, corporations, but as well the critical infrastructure and, and the public services that you know we rely on. It's so important. It's so critical. And, and certainly the best of the best and the brightest are working on it. And again, it's a cat and mouse game. And and it's going to be the people that, like like you, Shannon, the, and the people in your industry and the people that share sort of that common vision to do good that are going to really lead the way. You know, you're really a shining light because when you think about it, these bad actors really bring a lot of darkness to the world or they're trying to. So it's really up to the people that can light a match and, and bring more light to the world that really are going to ultimately uh, squash these bad actors and bring a lot more light into the world versus the dark, which is what they're trying to do to all of us. So I really wanted to thank you for being part of the, the good guys and being part of the people that really protect us and being part of the, the, the group at Tago that protects enterprise and protects their intellectual property. I'm a big believer that that's their property. They've paid for it. They've earned it. They built it and that nobody should be allowed to really steal that at all or use it or do whatever they're going to do with it because it's just not right and it just doesn't sit well for me and, and so many people in this world. So thank you for everything you're doing at Tago. I wanted to turn the conversation now to a little bit of entrepreneurship because, and I know that you've only sliced out a certain amount of time. I know you've had already had a, a wild morning, a crazy morning. So I just have really one more question for you, Shannon. For the younger entrepreneurs watching the show and watching you and hearing what you and Troy have been able to do with everything that you've done with co-founding the company and what you're doing with the FBI as part of that partnership and the Healthcare Heroes Foundation and the three children and everything else, they might be saying to themselves, wow, like I'm hitting a little pothole on my startup and I'm having a tough time getting around the pothole. How did Shannon or how does Shannon look at entrepreneurship what can she tell me to help me get around those tough times and those, those, those divots and those potholes and those roadblocks? Maybe you could give some words of wisdom as the co-founder and CEO of Tago to the younger entrepreneurs watching the show. Yeah, sure. So I think one of the first things that is important to know as an entrepreneur is that failing is inevitable. You will experience failings and it's whether or not you choose to let that to completely hold you back from succeeding is what will make the difference between being a failure, which is a permanent mindset versus the failing, which is like temporary and you can overcome versus success. And really, you know, failing and experiencing failures is part of the journey um, of entrepreneurship. So it's just really being able to learn from your experiences, being able to learn from the setbacks, um, getting up, getting back on the horse and continuing to go. I love it, Shannon. It's great advice for the younger entrepreneurs. 
Shannon, I, I wanted to take a minute to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about Tago Cyber. It's very interesting what you're doing. Uh, you're a leader in the women in technology space, which is amazing. Uh, what you've done with, with uh, the foundation is incredible as well. I don't know how you fit it all in, but for entrepreneurs watching the show, when you hear something like this, it's really inspiring and it's inspiring for me as well. So um, thanks again so much for coming on the show and slicing some time out. I wanted to thank you so much, Shannon, for coming on the Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Thank you, Andy. It was my pleasure.